Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 492, coming to you on Monday. July 24th, we're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including all the goings-ons at Pac-12 Media Day, which went down last week in Las Vegas. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at Fanside.com. Our phone number on the rant line, 818-643-7227. Uh, and as always, I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journal with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles. Lisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. Uh, we, we talk every year. That's, and I know this is probably annoying that we say this every year. Pac-12 Media Day, the official start of football season. The official start. Which basically means it's the official start of fall. Like, my, my parents would always say, like, oh, it's, it's oh, there was a... It was a cool breeze on, uh, coincidentally, on September 15th that was the start of fall. No, the official start of fall is the first day of Pac-12 Media Day. The only day. It's one day. Because that's when football season starts. And football season is the fall. Uh, yes, I... Uh, <laughs> the official start of football season is is Media Day... I don't want to shortchange summer quite as much as you are. Summer sucks. <laughs> but uh, I feel like we still have a couple months left in summer. No, no, summer sucks. It's it's too hot, A. B, it's when all your favorite baseball teams go to die. Like, they, <laughs> they just start to, you know, fade away. And then the only discussion in baseball is whether or not they're going to trade your best players. Like, it's it's brutal. It is brutal. But uh, we are back here on a Monday uh, Monday evening uh, here on YouTube, and uh, we're excited about uh, another episode of Renatory.com. We've got Tim in the chat, Rama Murdy, uh, Master Sith 40, welcome, fighting on... Ma- Master Sith 40, Michael. What's a Master Sith? I don't Master know. Sith, Sith like in Star Wars. Uh, see, I don't watch your Star Trek, <laughs> but welcome... Uh, fighting on MC, Kenny's in the chats, 
Uh, we got a bunch of people in the chat, so you can always watch us every Monday at 5 p.m. Uh, during the season, we'll be going double barrel Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, Wednesdays, the of course, the preview episode for the season, uh, followed by the car cast on Saturdays after the game. Uh, and then Mondays will be the fallout episode where we go back and look at uh, what happened in the game, uh, open up the rant line and so much more. Of course, you can call into the rant line this year at uh, 1-818-643-7227. Uh, save that number into your phone right now uh, and get ready for all of those things. Uh, and you can join us here on, on YouTube with a membership. And if you join us on the membership, which is called the Rot Squad, uh, you get bonus episodes, not only during the season, but every month of the year. Uh, we're going to do a bonus episode this week, Alicia, this week. I think Thursday night, is that what we said, Thursday night? I believe that is what we said. Yeah, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Pacific, you can join us for the first ever Rot Squad call-in show. Yes, a call-in show. Uh, it's it's going to be super fun. We're going to do it through Discord. We're super excited about it. Uh, if you are not a member, join and become a member today. You get to join not only our Discord, where you can talk USC football uh, with us and other Rot Squad members, um, but you also get the bonus episodes and you can participate in the call-in show. Uh, so you can do that on YouTube. I believe you got to do it on the, the desktop version. I don't think you can do it on the app, which is slightly frustrating, but uh, join us uh, for four ninety nine a month. Uh, helps grow the show uh, and you can become more entrenched in the rottenness. Does that work? The rottenness? The rottenness. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Not rottenness. Rottenness. Yeah, the the, the rottenness. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, let's get into everything that we got to talk about in this episode, uh, which is a lot of Pac-12 Media Day stuff. Uh, shall we? Let's start uh, at the beginning uh, with the good old uh, news. All right, Alicia, we got to start with a roster update. The Trojans have a new roster update because the new media guide is out. A lot of new information uh, being put out by the SID department. Uh, but the interesting thing, I think, is the position updates. There's a bunch of new position updates, uh, most notably for Relique Brown and Deuce Robinson. Relique Brown going into his sophomore season, uh, running back last year, um, one of the most exciting key returners on the USC offense, surely. But someone that we've talked about is sort of a gadget player. He can play at receiver. He can play in the slot. He can he can be out of the backfield. He can return kicks. He can do all those sort of things. He is listed now as a wide receiver, not a running back. And also listed as a wide receiver with him is Deuce Robinson, uh, the five-star tight end that the Trojans signed out of Pinnacle High in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about Deuce Robinson and the the tight end of it all and, and not being certain about his future there, especially after USC announced him signing and listed him as a wide receiver. Um, we've talked about really Brown and how it just it he's too much of a of a speed threat and a talent to have the touches that he had last year and it's hard to see mm-hmm. him get more touches at r- running back considering who USC has there in, in the more traditional sense of running backs. 
And so both of these make a lot of sense. Relic Brown in the slot sounds dangerous as all hell to me. Uh, Deuce Robinson as a mismatched nightmare, whether he's in the slot or moved around outside, is a mismatched nightmare. So mm-hmm. I think this is just a reflection of USC being honest about the best way to deploy non-traditional players in, in instead of forcing them into traditional roles, accepting what they are, which is really just passing game weapons and, and going yeah. from there. Yeah, and anyone can be a passing game weapon in an offense that uses the running backs out of the backfield and all of that. And then you add into the fact that the Trojans are, you know, pretty deep at running back. Uh, you know, SC brings in the the transfers from South Carolina, Marshawn Lloyd. Um, Austin Jones is back for his, his super senior season. Uh, you've got Darwin Barlow's back. Uh, as a senior, the transfer from TCU as well. Uh, this is his third season at USC. You bring in the guys like Quentin Joyner and Amarian um, Peterson. SC's got guys in the backfield, and we talk about every single year, that people are going to get hurt in, in at running back. But So maybe you don't have the depth that you think you do right now, but there's still enough guys to have the depth. And then if you need to move Relique Brown back there, there's nothing stopping you from, from doing that. So Well, and there's nothing stopping you from putting him in the backfield. You do that yeah. with, with yeah. slot guys all the time. So why couldn't you do it with right. a converted <laughs> running back? The Rams now do it with, uh, or, or did it with Robert Woods, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. USC has done it with a bunch of different guys. Nelson Aguilar, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown, all those guys have been used in the backfield. So... It just makes perfect sense to me, uh, and and I I kind of like I like I said I kind of like the honesty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you look at the Deuce Robinson side of things, and you know he feels like the the Jimmy Graham kind kind of um, tight end who is a tight end because he's a big body, but he's going to be lined up um, at receiver. Uh, we talked about this a few years ago about Drake London. Drake mm-hmm. London. Uh, could have been a tight end when you just look at his body and how he and and where all, they were all those using things. him. But yeah. the SC used him as if he was a tight end that was always a primary receiver. But that just makes him a receiver. So uh, you might as well just list Deuce Robinson as a receiver then. So um, yeah, that's that's how the roster looks on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, defensively. There's more clarity um, because last year everybody was listed as a defensive back. Which is one of my biggest pet peeves. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. It allows you to sort of list everybody together and have the flexibility to say who's going to be a corner and a safety and a nickelback uh, and and all of those things. A nickelback and a puddle of mud and... uh, No? Yeah, I got where you were. I got got where you were going. Um. But now there's safeties, there's corners, and there's just DBs. Um, see, now I'm I'm mad that I didn't make like a seether joke or something like that. Like it's making me seether. Did that hinder this this <laughs> segment a little bit? Yeah, I made just a little bit. Would you a say blur. it stained it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th- there's there's corners, and the corners are Demani uh, Jackson, uh, Jacoby Covington, Christian Roland Wallace, the transfer from Arizona. Uh, Traquan Fagans and uh, Malachi Crawford. Um, it was mentioned at Media Day that Christian Roland Wallace could be moved around to different positions, but he is labeled as a corner. Then there's the safeties uh, Max Williams, Kalen Bullock, 
uh, Jalen Smith, Bryson Shaw, and Zubarian Gordon. Um, and then you've got guys who are just, quote, DBs. I imagine that these are guys who are not corners or safeties, or these are just the nickelbacks. Uh, we can... <laughs> You can sort of find that out as we go, but it's uh, Zion Branch, Anthony Beavers, Prophet Brown, Sierra Wright, Christian Pierce, and Fabian Ross. Yeah, and Sierra Wright is the interesting one there because yeah. he was a starting corner for USC last year mm-hmm. and sort of penciled him in as a potential starting corner for USC this year, um, depending on, on how things were going to shake out. Uh, with how Christian Roland Wallace was sort of integrated and how other guys like Jacoby Covington and, and and company were figured in. So I think he's the one I'm most interested in. Does this mean he's he's just going to be a nickel for USC? There was the talk of Christian Roland Wallace being a nickel at, at, at media day as well. So this could just be, like you said, they are... They are sort of more filling more than one uh, role that they're, they're not just going to be sort of your your left corner or your right corner or whatever, you right. know, wh- whatever designation that you want to. to well, they could to still give. have that. This could just be a listing for for media day. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for, but, the, for the media guide. But still. Yeah. And it could it could just be one of those quirks of media guides where the people putting together the media guide aren't sure so they just throw everybody in one like that's a whole other thing too so um yeah i'm always interested to see how the the db designations shake out by the Mm -hmm. end of like a fall camp Um, but this does tell us a lot about where to expect certain players to be to be playing um and and where not to expect them so uh, i would I, i i sort of am now looking at the DB group and thinking, well, these are your nickel candidates. At least that's the way that I see it. Yeah, that, that's that's the way it looks. Uh, we'll see, obviously, how that how that begins uh, in week zero against San Jose State, uh, just about a month from now. Um, let, let's talk about the defensive line. A couple of things to mention on the defensive line. Um, Corey Foreman is listed as a defensive lineman. And he's now at 235 pounds, which feels on the slender side. Yeah. So they have the designation between like DL, the defensive lineman, and the rush ends. And Corey Foreman, I, if I remember correctly, was listed as a rush end last year. And he was like 250 last year. And now he's listed as a defensive lineman and he's 235. I, I, like, you know, Romello Height is a rush end at at, at two thirty. Um, Jamil Muhammad is a rush end at two forty. Um, I'm just scrolling down the the Braylon Shelby two thirty five rush end. DJ PB uh, two thirty rush end. Um, Sam Green the the freshman two forty rush end. You look at the rest of the defensive linemen; they're all like like. 250 at least like Solomon yeah. Tulio Pupu's like the he, he's the smallest one the, at 250 the, yeah just about every I mean this is the same position group that has Kobe Pepe at 320 uh Barrett Alexander at 305 um Dejan Benton at 270 yeah he's sort of the outlier there. I just I, I don't know where they're gonna play him I if, if he is a defensive lineman unless they expect him to move around to move be around situational. be situational or to put on weight as the 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 camp goes on, uh, I, I 
we shouldn't necessarily rely on like heights and weights that are listed on the roster for us to determine mellow height <laughs> to determine positions. Uh, if that were the case, you would look at somebody like Eric Gentry and you would just say like, there's no way you could be a linebacker. He should just move to tight end or something like that. Like, sure. And that's just not the way that, that things work. I mean, you could, you could say like you look at Max, Max Williams at, at five, nine and say, how can he be a safety? Like, no, you just haven't been nickel. Like that's, oh. that's not how, and, and I would argue that there's, you know, an argument for Max Williams just being a nickel, but um, you can't just rely on the, the heights and weights things, but Corey Foreman at 235 doesn't make sense if they're going to have him playing inside. It makes sense if he's a rush end outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. If he's supposed to be even a defensive end, that is very light. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's just, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm sort of banking on that number changing when the season like actually when we actually get a look at him in reality yeah i i have multiple thoughts i i'm i'm with you i i i don't want to second guess the me like i look at the the media guide as um not as necessarily gospel because things can change also it's not like the the football side of things um, is going to inform the SID side of things, like literally on every little note, right? Like, yeah. like um, the football, the the football people can change their mind on on where th- people move. Just because it's in the media guide doesn't mean it's locked in stone. So, in that point, I you just have to take this for what it is. The second side of it, like it was, this would make more sense if it was a typo and he's two sixty five. Instead of two thirty five, if you look at the numpad, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. so I, I, I especially don't know. as a going into his junior year, like you sort of accept the freshmen being undersized on the defensive line because they haven't been yeah. in a full college like weight program yet, and like Corey Foreman is is now a junior. He's now an upperclassman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what the plan is for him. I wish I had more clarity about what the plan in actuality and in in practice and in in like where's the plan for him to succeed. I I still need to sort of see that demonstrated. Sure. And well, the yeah, other thing is if playing at two thirty five doesn't feel like that's the way. If he's gonna be moved around, it might make more sense to list him as a defensive lineman because that's the most vague descriptor of all those ones right like it's it's not like it's not like it's the the defensive line group includes the tackles and the you know the three techniques and, and the those, and the five yeah. technique you know what i mean like yeah all those positions are in there um so i don't know we'll, we'll we'll see again we'll see against san jose state where he is and how he fits into everything else um uh, Calix Rose in the, in the chat says, I'm worried about the, the D-line and tight end. USC needs big guys. Well, SC might be without two more big guys. We're going to talk about this right now. We got a comment from uh, Trojans First on YouTube last week in last week's episode that said, I wonder what happened to Jamar Sakona. He's no longer on the roster, but I never heard of him entering the transfer portal. Maybe he quietly retired from football. So that was last week. I did some digging and found literally nothing about... Jamar Sakona, except for a, a um, tweet from my friend Chris Trevino who said that he was going to miss the spring game. That was it. Uh, 
the media guide comes out, and Sakona is listed as a lost squadman along with Colin Mobley, someone who's been in and out of the transfer portal but didn't leave uh, earlier in the offseason. Now Colin Mobley is listed as a lost uh, squadman. Uh, neither one of those guys are listed in the 24-7 sports transfer portal. Uh, and there, I've seen nothing about Sakona about where he could he could land. There's no like tweets from other, uh, you know, beat writers of other schools or anything like that. So keep your eyes open. And yeah, I who knows? We, yeah, we, we will see. I tried to do some digging as well. Couldn't find anything. It's uh, but it is interesting that USC. We knew Colin Mobley was sort of in and out of the transfer portal. Uh, we weren't sure what the deal with him coming back in the spring was. Maybe put sort of shop window stuff going on. Maybe complete the semester academically. Whatever, whatever it was that he needed to do. That's not the surprise. But Kobe Pepe was also supposed to be a guy who was going to be leaving, and he's now listed in the back, roster yeah. back. So you know, it, it is a bummer to lose both those guys. But it is big to get Kobe, Kobe Pepe back. If we're talking about USC needing big bodies, Kobe Pepe absolutely mm-hmm. fits that mold so that lessens the 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 sort of depth harm of losing these guys but i i do also yeah i'm i'm with you jamar sakona it's sort of a little bit mysterious a little bit not sure what's going on there um but i susp- I, I mean i figure we'll find out we, we will eventually find out whether it's a transfer portal thing or a you know we've seen guys medically retire we've seen guys leave for a million other reasons so yeah um Bummer, because I was really excited about him. Most but. recent thing I found was he was tagged in a post last month by Mason Cobb on Instagram. So. I, I saw I saw on Twitter he was getting tagged in posts from recruits and stuff like that who yeah. were doing visits and taking pictures with him and, and being hosted by him. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But when you're listed as a squadman lost in the media guide, that pretty much is definitive. That, that doesn't... Yeah. That that sort of this, this is a situation where the where the media guy is, is gospel is gospel. Right? Yeah, yeah, you are not on the roster, and you are not you are not expected to be on the roster for the coming fall. So, right. uh, yeah, a bit of a mystery there. But like I said, I think getting Kobe Pepe back is uh, is sort of a big counterbalance to that uh, on that defensive line. So we'll see which way things go uh, for him, uh, while also wishing those other two guys, um, you know, the best in their future endeavors. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of the the defensive line, we've got new numbers, including Bear Alexander has a new number, uh, the Georgia transfer. He's going to be wearing number 90, uh, the, the number famed by uh, by Ryan Nielsen, of course. Back in, the, back in the 90s, my dad loved talking about how Ryan Nielsen, 1N Nielsen, 90, 2Ns Ennis Davis, 99. <laughs> And now there's Barrel Alexander, 90. One N. There is one N, yes, that's right. And Jack Sullivan, only one N in Jack Sullivan, 99. but he's wearing the 99 yeah. nonetheless. Uh, new numbers for other guys. Uh, Traycon Fagans, the the um, cornerback transfer from Alabama, is wearing 23. Mike Manuelos at, at 59. Um, famous Amos uh, Talele, 75. Uh, Alani Noah, the offensive lineman, is at 77. Uh, Jacoby Lane, uh, wide receiver um, out of Mesa, Arizona, which is just East Phoenix, of course. Uh, 89. And then uh, 
Dejan Lafitte, 91. Um, so there you go. Um, the other numbers we've talked about before of the the guys who came in earlier in the spring that you could you, you might not have remembered are Anthony Lucas is number six. Um, with, uh, Marshawn Lloyd is a zero. Zach Branch is number one. Um, yeah, so there's there's a there's a bunch of new numbers. You can check the the rest over at uh, usctrojans.com. Mason Cobb um, number thirteen. Oh yeah, Mason Cobb number thirteen. Which, which means that he won't. Caleb Williams won't be the last person to wear number thirteen at USC. Mason Cobb will at least. Um, well, they will wear well, the number together this yeah. year. But like he was the last person given the thirteen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, let's move on at least until you know twenty fifty five when SC is trying to recruit uh, Keyshawn Johnson the third or something like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, all right, let's let's move on to um, the uh, Pac-12 media poll. Uh, the Pac-12 media poll was released alongside all of the other Pac-12 media day uh, festivities. Once again, USC is listed as the pick uh, in the conference, the number one team. 25 first-place votes, followed by Washington with four first place votes. Utah had more first place votes with six, but they still uh, are picked to finish third, followed by Oregon uh, fourth. The, those are the only four schools with a, a first place vote. Nobody picked uh, the Oregon State Beavers, who are the highest ranked team without a first place vote fifth. Uh, then it's UCLA six, Wazoo seven, Arizona eight, nine Cal, 10 ASU, uh, 11 Colorado and running out the 12 is Stanford. Um, Alicia, your thoughts on, on the poll? Yeah, I think it's a no brainer to pick USC as the, the favorite to win the conference. You return the Heisman trophy winner. You return, uh, the bulk of that offense that Lincoln Riley brought to USC. That was just outstanding and had room to get better. Um, you assume that USC's defense will be better. I think is a fair if you're if you're a media member, you're coming yeah. in assuming that the defense will be better. And if that's the case, USC has to be ahead of 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 the rest. Um, after USC, yes, I I don't I I think Washington, Utah, Oregon, throw them in a hat, toss them up, and and mm-hmm. randomly pick. Um. Oregon State, very, very, very solidly number five. Yes. UCLA, I, I very, very solidly number six. And then everybody after and then everybody after that, I, I think definitely Wazoo, Arizona are like the would be seven and eight. Potential. Like I, kinda, I kind of agree. Yeah. And then to me, Cal, ASU, Colorado, and Stanford. Yeah, sure. I, I I think you could argue for a lot of different mixes of, of, of that ranking. Um, I, I don't think we have any concept of what Kenny Dillingham is going to be able to do at Arizona State mm-hmm. with, with the roster that he, he inherits. Justin Wilcox is a capable football coach, but also Cal is a, is a mess, and I don't know... Yeah. What aspirations you can have if you are Cal. Colorado is Colorado. Who the heck knows what's going to happen with Deion Sanders? He brought in talent that's 
the big thing. And Stanford, I think Troy Taylor's getting a lot of um, getting slept on, but also that Stanford roster. Again, I don't know what aspirations you're supposed to expect from that roster. So while I think that the hire was a good hire for Stanford in in terms of where they are in, in sort of a realistic sense, um, I, yeah, I, I I think it's entirely within the realm of poss- uh, of possibility that Troy Taylor and uh, uh, finishes bottom of the of the league with that Stanford roster that he needs to. To sort of rebuild. Um, yeah. So I have no complaints. I have no complaints. I, I don't know that I would do it differently. And I think any nitpicky thing that I would do differently, like maybe putting Utah ahead of Washington, is hard to do if I don't know the state of Cam Rising's knee. That's that's the thing. Like I, So I think they nailed it. I think there there's very clearly several tiers in the Pac-12. And it, you have the top four that I think is SC ahead of the other three, but not by much. Really, mm-hmm. it's really pick pick either of the top four, to be quite honest. Um, and yeah, then you have Oregon State. Then you have UCLA. Then you have Wazoo and Arizona. Then you have Cal and ASU. And Colorado and Stanford are just the last two, like by a long shot, I think. Um, and it seems right. Um, yeah. <sighs> As much as I think that you could put Oregon ahead of Utah, I am not in the business, and I will say this over and over and over again on this podcast. Don't do it. This year, I am not in the business of thinking that that Utah is not going to win the conference or whatever. Like, I have too much well, respect for we, Kyle Whittingham. We, we did it too many times about Stanford. Oh, this is going to be the year that Stanford takes a step back, and then 2015 happens. So... Utah has won the Pac-12 the last what three or four full seasons. Uh, if we if we take out the COVID year, like don't 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 discount Utah. <laughs> like don't do it. Even with the the camp rising stuff, I know you want to. I know you want to. I know they come to the Coliseum. They don't always fare well at the Coliseum, but don't do it. Don't 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 discount them at all. So, uh, yeah, the the. The media poll did did well. Uh, Kenny says, "Hot take: ASU won't finish tenth. I see him being six and six. I that's the most ASU thing ever. Finishing six and six. I will say their schedule rough, rough. The 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 two misses that they have are Oregon State and Stanford. Those are not the two misses that you want in in your schedule if you're going to be six and six. Like you want to be able to play." Stanford and get those as one of your wins. Um, ASU hosts Oregon. Uh, they go at Utah, at Washington, and they host SC. I think that's. I think those are four automatic, probably automatic losses. But everything else, yeah, they they could compete and uh, nab a win over UCLA or Wazoo or whatnot. So, um, all right, let's let's ready to move on. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say something about. ASU that's sort of not important because I I agree I think you have sort of four built-in losses and then you're depending on on beating UCLA team that I think I could I see it happening yes because we've seen UCLA lose that game mm-hmm. you know that kind of game before uh, and and Washington State's hard to pin down and we've already talked about Cal and Colorado and Arizona and those like there are certainly yeah. wins there. But also, each one of those teams can be looking at ASU and saying the exact same thing. Yeah, 100%. 
Uh, all right, let's let's move on to the uh, preseason All Pac-12 teams. Um, first team selections: USC has five of them. Uh, quarterback Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman Trophy winner, obviously going to be picked there as the first team All Pac-12 quarterback. Uh, even though this Pac-12 is loaded at quarterback, there's Caleb Williams, there's uh, there's Bo Nix, there's Michael Penix, there's Cam Rising, like four dudes on the big four teams that uh, any one of them at the end of the year, I think could be the first team quarterback, but Caleb Williams, the, the Heisman winner, of course, is going to get the nod uh, in the preseason uh, wide receiver. Dorian Singer gets first team selection. Makes sense. Uh, Kalen Bullock at, at safety. Uh, and then SC gets, look at this SC with two special teamers. What world is this? What world are we living in? Uh, Relique Brown as the all purpose special teamer, like return guy, uh, and then punter Eddie Tiplicky, the ASU transfer. First team, all Pac-12 punter. Yeah, I, I think the punter is easy because wasn't he first team all Pac-12 last year? I, I think so. Like, I think when it comes yeah. to a punter, you just continue on there. And yeah, like we we talked about really Brown, he's a very dynamic playmaker, and, and USC's going to try and find ways to get the ball into his hands. And special teams is going to have to be one of those ways that they try to utilize him. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the special teams ones make sense for given given what they are. Um, I I think that uh, Dorian Singer is an is an obvious choice. I do think that Mario Williams is getting a bit slept on here. I I I, I know that his production wasn't out of this world last year, but I I think the injury had so much to to play in that. And, like, he is coming off a, a devastating special teams error for USC in the, sure. in the, I mean, in the, in the bowl game. So, like, I get it. I, but I do think he's being slept on a little bit here. So he's not one of the second teamers. The second teamers, USC has five selections for then, for the, for there. Uh, it's the three offensive linemen, Justin Dietrich, Jonah Monheim, and Jarrett Kingston for the Washington State transfer. Uh, linebacker, you have Mason Cobb and Eric Gentry, all of them second teamers. Um, Mario Williams doesn't get a second team nod, nor does he get an honorable mention nod. Yeah. Uh, honorable mentions are Austin Jones, Barry Alexander, Keon Bars, Shane Lee, and Christian Roland Wallace. But I will go to bat for the for the Mario Williams snub here. Um, not as a sign of anything that he like about him, but like Robo Rome uh, Odunze from Washington is the other first team wide receiver. He absolutely should be like, he is on the bullet in the cough. Like, Oh yeah. Know, he short led the- list. Like, like there's, there's loaded, you know, dudes in the conference, Jacob Cowing from Arizona, along with, with Dorian singer is still the second, is the second team guy. Like, uh, Jalen McMillan also at Washington. Like there's just too many dudes. There's too many dudes at wide receiver yeah. in the conference right now. Um, that there's not only too many dudes on SC's team at wide receiver that he's got to compete with, like with Dorian Singer getting the first team nod, but just I everywhere. just think if I was going to predict a player who did not even, who was not mentioned at all in the, in the all pack 12 preseason team mm-hmm. that I would predict will be a first team selection at the end of the season. I think Mario Williams is that guy. That's fair. That, that, that's that's fair. That that we we will see how that goes. By the way, I think the the person by the way, that I would say is more of a snub 
um, is uh, Taj Washington. Absolutely, yes. Like but, I think he could have deserved uh, an honorable mention at least. But yes, Taj Washington I mean, we, is constantly being slept on. This is uh, uh, yes, absolutely a trend. Yeah, which is good. Don't doubt Taj Washington. Yeah. <laughs> the more you do, the more he'll, he'll no, come he'll back and kill beat you. you. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, that's going to, you know, wrap up the, the news element. Uh, of course, there's still a lot of stuff from Pac-12 Media Day to talk about. We've isolated quotes uh, from each of USC's representatives, head coach Lincoln Riley, quarterback Caleb Williams, and linebacker Mason Cobb. Uh, here's what um, Lincoln Riley had to say about the athletic director search. Quote, the next AD coming here in here is going to have really positive things to work with. You get so many of the programs who are really strong, who have really good coaches at the school. The major sports are all in major upswings. Uh, the table's set. You can tell the in, that there's interest in the position. Don't know what it's going to be like a few, what it was like a few years ago, but people outside realize the table's set too. Um, and he also said you get you get calls from people in the in the industry, and there's a lot of interest in that position. Yeah. I think that that sounds about right. Yeah, you look at USC, the the natural advantages that USC has. You have theoretically a football, basketball, and baseball head coaches that you don't have to replace anytime soon. Um, that you can rely on to sort of carry the the, the revenue uh, uh, banner. And, uh, and yeah, there's stuff to clean up, absolutely, and I think that's probably the biggest barrier to the job is, is the, the sort of cultural question marks that are, that are present that need to be cleaned up and cleaned out. But if you're talking about a, a, a major program, a major uh, university mm-hmm. that has uh, so much going for it and and in general is sort of set up well, I, I agree with Lincoln Riley. You, you've got to have people who are very interested in this job. There's no reason to not be very interested in this job. Yeah. Yeah. Big it, revenue coming, big revenue paydays with the, the Big Ten coming. The big Ten, yeah. All of that already sorted out. Like, yeah, I think... <laughs> also, have you heard that SC is in Los Angeles? Have you yeah. ever heard that part? I mean, once or twice, I may have noticed. Yeah. LA is uh, pretty, pretty dang sweet. This this is true. Uh, Caleb Williams, USC's Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, uh, talked, asked about the defensive line and says, speaking on my side of it, the D-line's gotten a lot better with his technique. Guys we brought in uh, just want to make plays, guys understanding what they're doing, how they're supposed to do it. The D-line is getting back there. They're getting back there faster, a lot stronger, whatever the case may be. So it forces myself to progress in my reads faster. Uh, it's been making me better as a player. That's Sounds good. Yeah, this is where I go on a little bit of a rant about media day and Uh-oh. the quote, like, pessimistic Alicia is out in full not, force. It's not pessimism. It's not. It's not. It's it's stock neutral. It's it's neutral Alicia to to steal a um to steal a feud, a, a, a term yeah. from yeah from Family Feud from our, our friend Keely or sorry and, Keely. Yeah, sorry, Keely, and uh, Shotgun Spratling and, and those folks. Um, Chris Trevino. Chris Trevino, friend of the pod. Uh, it's stock neutral. All quotes from Media Day, take them neutrally. They mm. mean nothing. There are, there are little tidbits that you find out that are interesting. 
the one that we got from Mason Cobb coming up, I thought was sort of like, an, oh, that's interesting. That's new. I wouldn't have known that otherwise. This is great. But anyone talking about like, oh, yeah, the defensive line is going to be so much better. The defense is going to be so much better. The wide receivers are going to be so much better. The offensive line is going to be so much better. The quarterback's coming along so well, blah, blah, blah. All of it is all, what do you think they would say? They the, the, the point of Media Day is to go there and to make things sound happy, sound good. They are never going to tell you the truth if the truth is not good news. Mm-hmm. So... You can ask Caleb Williams about the defensive line or the defense in general, whether or not they're getting better, uh, and you will always get the answer that he gave. No shade on Caleb Williams. Absolutely the answer he should have given. Any other answer would have been inappropriate for for someone in his position. But also, all of that stuff I can do without as far as media day goes. Like, to the point where we were sort of talking about like what would we ask people if we were media day this year and 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 my whole thought was just like my overriding thing would just be to ask questions that i'm not going to get a an answer that i know i cannot trust the factualness of it yeah uh, you you get player speak and coach speak um and that's that that's what you get like you said that's what they're supposed to say yeah. um it's not like they're it's not like they're purposely uh, you know, no. pro- providing things. It's, well, they are, but like, that's just what it is, yeah. right? Like every spring camp, we talk about this every time, every spring camp, spring camp is the hardest that they've ever worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're never going to have somebody like come out of nowhere and say that, oh yeah, this spring camp sucks. Yeah. Well, like, the, this are, team, are new transfers like, they're not I, as good honestly, as last I, year's. I don't think they're as good as last year's. And, yeah. <laughs> Quite honestly, like our our O line is so much better than them. Like, yeah, gee, like nobody's gonna say that. Yeah. Also, they don't even know if that's true. And like, like, yeah, they. they it's a zero sum game in spring and fall camp. Bear Alexander has not put on pads and gone head up with the uh, USC offensive lineman yet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, linebacker Mason Cobb. Uh, he talked about team speed. This is a tweet from Brandon Marcello. It says, USC linebacker Mason Cobb told me today that every player in the Trojans roster has hit 18 miles an hour or higher in a sprint this offseason, according to their GPS tracking system. Georgia transfer defensive lineman Bear Alexander hit 20 miles an hour. I hope, hopefully they're not like going through like our... our parking lot in our apartment complex that's got like a five mile an hour speed yeah okay number one i'm gonna admit this outright i don't know what the hell i don't know what that means i don't i could not i assume because it was tweeted and said that that is good it sounds good it's like my brain sees 18 miles an hour running and goes like yeah fast good it's like when you get blood work and the doctor's like okay so your your whatever level is uh 0.764 and you're like like is that, is that, uh, well, what does that mean? Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. can't um, tell you. The fact that Bear Alexander hit 20 miles an hour sounds real good. Bear Alexander's a 300-pound dude. Like, uh, the the um, hitting any speed at that, you know, <laughs> at that size sounds super impressive to me. So this is all, sure. this is all well and good. Um, I wish I had more data to compare this to what um so i i just googled same bolt 
27.33 miles per hour. So I just wrote about this, uh, though, that the top speed um, oh, oh, there's in a, the there's NFL. A, there's a chart. There's a chart. Okay, ready? Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll go right okay. back to this. So cheetahs, of course, over 70. <laughs> uh, speed limit on the motorway in, in the UK is, uh, is 70. Uh, a pronghorn antelope, 60. African lion, about 55. So- <laughs> a greyhound, 44-ish. A domestic cat is 30. Usain Bolt, 27. An elephant, 25. See, this is a prime example. If you told me that an elephant was five miles an hour faster than Bear Alexander, I'd go, that sounds concerning. But apparently not. (laughs) Okay, to put this back into perspective. Now, and again, more perspective. This is NFL players in pads during a game. So take it for what it, you know. For the sprints that USC's guys are doing are probably in shorts and t-shirts, so it is different. But the top speed of a player, according to NFL Next Next Gen Stats last season in the NFL, was 22.1 miles per hour. That was Paris Campbell. Kenneth Walker hit 22.09. Brees Hall hit 21.87. Deshaun Jackson hit 21.72. How often are you ever going to hit top speed? When you're pulling away? Well, most of these are long. Oh, like you're a receiver running a go round? Yes, but Paris Campbell's was a 26-yard rush. So making me think that might might have been like a sweep or something like that. So, you know, picking up more more speed. But, yeah, I I, I think that uh, you're, you're, you're looking at, at guys who are running faster than I can run, and that sounds like a, a good a good thing. Tim, Tim in the chat says, in terms of a 100-meter dash, 18 miles an hour is 12.4 seconds. 20 miles an hour is 11.2, assuming my calculator was correct. That all makes sense. But I would imagine I still have no way to Bear Alexander that is not running 20 miles an hour for a 100 meters. No, no. I think he might be running reaching Bear, like, max speed of 20, 20 miles an hour. Like there might be a five-yard stretch where he hits hits the top yeah, speed. Yeah. Uh, but if you're Bear chest. Alexander, that's all you need. Like if you're a defensive right. lineman, you just need you, to be able to reach 20 miles an hour at some point uh, he, in your in your rush. Exactly, unless you're scooping, scoring. Like, yeah, when, when, when are you going to when are you gonna need it? Yeah. Um, it's explosiveness more than anything that I think is necessary for the lineman. Uh, Dan in the chat says, GPS isn't accurate that short distance unless you work for Raytheon. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't disagree either. Um, but, yeah. It, hey, they're, what, I'm sure they're paying a lot of money to Catapult or whatever GPS tracking yes. company that they're currently using. So I would hope it's someone. Well, and I'm, and I'm sure that Catapult has some sort of guideline that where they can say this is average, this is all these things. And yeah. if this is the, you know, a talking point that, you know, SC players have, whether whether it's a metric that they've remembered as being important, then, then that probably means yeah. that it's good compared to other catapult numbers, which is the important fart part about the important fart, the important fart um, <laughs> about what I just want to, I just want to tip my cap to USC's uh, long snapper because uh, if, if they're also getting to the 18 mile an hour sprints, then, then things are, things are doing okay. The long snappers are like they're fit dudes. Are they, are they fast? Do we consider them fast? Yeah, like okay. They're 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 not like big offensive linemen. The long snappers. 
They're, they're not like little dudes either. Uh, I mean, comparatively speaking. Okay. There's no size requirement for a for a long snapper. Yeah. So you you could be just like an average Joe size if you you can if you can snap it well. Like you don't need to be perfect, especially like on on a on a you know a punt. And a lot of times those guys are running down to be not not literally the gunner, but like they're running down to make a tackle anyway. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. Let's let's move on. Go to the mailbag. Uh, if you're watching us uh, live on YouTube, be sure to uh, ask your questions and uh, and all of that. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue! All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've got mail. All right. uh, Let's start with a rant line call. Alicia, we got another rant line call. Of course, the rant line... 818-643-7227. 818-643-7227. Suck it, What's Brewing Show. <laughs> See, it doesn't work, Jake. It doesn't our, work. Our buddy Jake from the What's Brewing Show, of course, not only steals all of our content where we put out an episode that's previously on Rain of Troy Radio, and they do a previously on the What's Brewing Show or whatever. Like, not only do they steal that, but he's upset that we didn't say Suck it, What's Brewing Show last week when... Or two weeks ago, well, we're when not, we unveiled the 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 phone number, but we're not it doesn't coordinating ring like before. We're not coordinating. It doesn't it. ring. Yeah, it's it's not the same. Seven two two seven is yeah. is not. It's just UCLA people yeah. always wanting to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Always wanting to, like, come on, come on. All right, uh, we we got a call from Dan in Valley Valley Village. God, I'm so happy the rant wave line is back. Woohoo! Uh, this is Dan from Valley Village. I am. So happy this is back. Now I can vomit my thoughts immediately, and you'll be forced to listen to them, and I could not be more excited for that. Welcome back, Raveline. I love the way he says, Raveline. Beautiful. We need to figure out, is Dan in, in, in VO? Is, is he a VO guy, he's voiceover got guy? Great, like it, it's got great a voice. He's either in voiceover or he's like a, a a DJ, like an MC, like a like a a wedding MC, or a he does a lot of hosting duties at like you know we, we need events. We need, we need to cut that just to yeah. rave line, rave line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. call us eight one eight six four three. 7227 818-643-7227 uh, you can call us ask us your questions for the pod or of course rant and rave and do all of those things um, during before after games and we can cut it up and put it into a little montage so uh, that's how things work here at Minotaur Radio um, let's get into the rest of the mailbag which is um, anything that you guys are typing away over on YouTube. So uh, we got some messages. We'll start with Glenn, who says, will Larry Scott's uh, Pac-12 legacy ever improve? 
no. <laughs> that legacy is dead. He 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 sort of lost his chance to make good. Uh I yeah, I, I cuz he'd have to come back and be really good. Like I what is what opportunity is he going to have? There's one way I think it could improve, but it's not a realistic improvement because people would not give him the benefit of the doubt. And that is the Pac-12 continuing to make the same mistakes that they made during the Larry Scott era and people realizing what I always freaking said. The problem is not necessarily Larry Scott. It's the people giving him raises and the people prolonging him and the people hiring him and the people saying yes to all the decisions that that you know he did because essentially Larry Scott works for the Pac-12 CEOs and the Pac-12 presidents if they are doing work that like if they approve his work then it's the the blood's on their hands um and so like it's like the with you know commissioners Rob Manfred sucks right well who does Rob Manfred work for he works for the owners to do their dirty work for him to be the punching bag so they're not the punching bag. Like, that's sort of how it works. And and with Larry Scott, yes, he had big ideas that I think he sold the 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 Pac-12 schools on. At the same time, they were okay with doing all those things. And it's not like the Pac-12 had some revolutionary leaders before with, with Hanson and all those guys before. So... I, I, I think that it could have improved if people realized, well, this is just the Pac-12 thing and not necessarily completely Larry Scott's thing. But I don't think that benefit of the doubt will ever be given to him because his name is so toxic. And secondly, the Pac-12's ending. It's over. It's over. I, I cannot imagine the Pac-12 like lasting longer into the future. I just... I, it, it's over. It's over. Also, I'm really bummed that I didn't... I was in such a rush before the episode. I didn't hook up the soundboard, so we don't have can I, uh, Cameron from Frisco, Texas, saying, "Can I blame Larry Scott for this?" So, would have been a perfect time. Mm-hmm. All right, remember, he says, "If SC were playing the Big Ten this year, where would we be picked to finish?" Oh, hold up! Um, have they had media? They haven't had their media days, right? Uh, they have. Um, I looked up preseason rankings, and I didn't exactly find it as easily as I wanted to but um um hmm I is is it just third I think it's third well yes I mean first of all there's multiple questions are there divisions is SC playing in divisions because if they're playing in divisions and they are going to potentially miss both Ohio State and Michigan because the SC would be in the West or something like that. I think you can make an argument that SC is second, uh, maybe first, uh, probably not first, but probably sec- maybe second. Uh, but realistically, I think SC would be third. Uh, I, I think Michigan, Ohio State, SC. I think I think that's fair. Yeah. Ahead of Penn State, but behind those other two. Yeah, 100%. Um, I I sort of think about what the the, the AP poll, AP Top 25, will look like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect Penn State to be ahead of USC. So if that's the case, then 
yeah, you you have USC at uh, at number three behind Ohio State and Michigan. Definitely behind Michigan. Maybe yeah. I think you could maybe if you really want to stake um, a lot of uh, I think incorrectly to a point um, a lot of faith in in quarterback certainty. You could put USC ahead of, of Ohio State if you if you really wanted to. Um, but uh, I still think USC has a lot, of, a lot more to prove on defense, so uh, I personally wouldn't. But yeah, I, I think that that'd be a fair sort of second or third. So I, I'm looking at the this is the way too early college rankings for 2023 from NCAA.com, mm-hmm. which was put out a couple weeks ago. They have Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Penn State five. Well, that's madness. And SC eight, but the crazy thing is, like, that is not madness because I think I've seen Penn State like as high as five in a lot of these rankings. So that's I madness. I think I, that like the the only thing I'm sure of is that Michigan is ahead of SC. Yes, absolutely. I think Ohio State should be too, but I uh, there to, are people that have put Penn State over SC. Like that is not a unanimous thing. Yeah. Uh, either, either way, I, I think even if you were fourth. Uh, consider that fourth in the it's Big like Ten fourth, is first in the Pac-12, but it's like fourth the way that Oregon is fourth in the in, right. the, in the Pac-12. Like, like, like that doesn't exclude Oregon is you. fourth, but like, like I would first. still like wager to put a fiver on Oregon to win the conference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, to to shout out my colleague at fansided.com, Cody Williams. Um, he did a projected top twenty-five. Um, for the uh, going into the season, and he has uh, Georgia number one, Michigan number two. He has Florida State number three, USC number four, uh, Alabama number five, Ohio State number six, and uh, LSU seven, Texas eight. He is very low on the Buckeyes. Clemson nine. You mean the Nittany Lions? Yeah, sorry, Nittany Lions ten. Yeah, I, I've seen Penn State bounce all the way. Yeah, but doing five and ten usually. So, yeah, we 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 will see. We, we, I mean, I guess we won't see us in the Big Ten this year, but we'll see what the how, how Penn like, yeah. State looks and uh, and where they are in like the AP poll and whatnot. Uh, that stuff. I, I think the coaches poll usually comes out around the beginning of August, and the AP poll uh, about three weeks before the season, so middle of August. Um, Walter Clark in in the chat says um, people who have seen Corey Foreman say that he's a lot bigger than three two thirty five. Uh, he's not bigger than three thirty five, but bigger than two thirty five. Two thirty five, yeah, yes, yeah. That's good to hear. Two thirty five sounds way too way too light. Um, yeah, I I would hope it's it's closer to two forty five, which is what he was at last year. But yeah, that's yeah. good to hear. Um, all right, let's wrap this episode up with a question we got from Dave Schwartz. What is the best restaurant with an orange sign near the Coliseum? See, this I don't know because I don't like so. So let's so get many... into the orange sign conversation. Okay, we can have the orange sign conversation. It's probably backstory. So you are of the mindset that the best Mexican restaurants. And usually this is like, this tends to be like takeout level Mexican places. Yeah. Um, the best Mexican restaurants are orange sign established. Like I'm gonna, the, their sign is orange. Okay. I'm gonna, 
put a pause on that a little bit. Hmm. Because. Because you realize that there's other places that no, have orange signs? It's more a sense that if you're looking at a Mexican restaurant, mm-hmm. if it has an orange sign, you mm-hmm. are in good hands. It's not that it's going to be the best uh, relative to, you know, the other the other best that are out there. Sure. It's just you are in good hands. You are not getting bad Mexican from a place that has a, a, a an orange sign. That's that's more where my perspective so, is, is coming from. So this comes from your perspective as a valley person. Yes. I had never seen an orange sign Mexican yeah. place until I moved to the valley. And then there's La Fagata and El Chavo and like all these places that are like... The orange sign and yeah. La Fagata and El Chavo are great. Like they're very good. I give that to you. They have orange signs. But as a South Bay person, it's yellow signs. See, and Dan says La Barca has a yellow sign. Yeah. Which which the whole Yellow dis- and red. Like the whole discussion was brought up because a certain Twitter account that's usually just a sort of troll was doing things about like the best Mexican restaurant on each near each campus or whatever and they had La Barca for USC which I, I think is a perfectly acceptable uh, I think a lot of people would say uh, Chano's or you know current the, the, the artist formerly known as Chano's sure now El, El Huero right um, El Huero yeah it's a, it's a racial slur yeah love that yeah um, <laughs> well and like Dan says like El Burrito Jr El Burrito Jr is is absolutely yes. LBJ you're in good hands. My, my perception. Special C all day, baby. Like when I go to El Burrito Junior, I get exactly what I'm what I want in terms of like I'm in good hands. I know what I'm I know what I'm gonna order. I know what I'm gonna get. I know it's gonna Big be fine. Round chips. Yeah. Ah, it's great. Yeah. SJ says Taco Bell has yellow. <laughs> no, they've gone purple, but it's used, more purple. Used yeah. to be yellow. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Del Taco, yellow and red. Yeah. Yeah, I think yellow and red for me is mostly like what Mexican restaurants look like. Like, uh, well, what do yellow and red make when you put them together? <laughs> well, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. They, they, some places like let's just merge them together. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yellow and red psychologically um, make you hungry. This is why a lot of fast food places are red: Wendy's, McDonald's. Um, uh, Carlitos, like all those are yellow and red for the most part. Um, but I, I think of an, another Mexican place in Torrance that has a lot of like cult followers is Taco Sinaloa. Yellow and red sign. Even though I think they've redone their stuff, but yellow and red sign. A lot of red writing. La Capian, Old Torrance, red sign. It's like a dark red sign, but yeah. Anyway, so so... What's the best orange sign place near SC for you? I don't know. To go back to Dave's question. I don't know because everything's changed around USC. Um, and like you said, like, and I hadn't necessarily thought about it. My orange sign perception was very much the, the places that I sort of have grown up around sure. in, in, in the valley. And the vast stretches of the valley, by the way, like the, the orange sign place that... The, we would go to um, when we were living up further north in the valley. Uh, also outstanding, hit hit the marks. So um, it it is weird to me how different areas have different ways of like stylizing the Mexican restaurants. So in Arizona, there's Filibertos, which is like the gold standard of Mexican takeout, like a Mexican takeout chain 
in Arizona. However, not only do you have Filibertos, you have Filibertas, uh, Rigobertos, um, Juanibertos, uh, like Robertos, Berto. Like, what's up with Berto? Like, and, uh... every every name imaginable. We have that a little bit in California. I know that San Diego has this this thing too because I think the original one is Albertos, and there's a lot of Albertos in the LA area. They're really good. They're very similar to Filibertos. So Filibertos kind of like branched into Arizona and then became the the mainline canonical like chain in in Arizona that everyone ripped off. And here it's Albertos because like in Harbor City, there's an Albertas, and it's like this is not the regular Albertos with the script writing and the whole the whole thing. So like it's just weird that like why do why does everyone end up ripping off the same exact thing it's it's weird it's weird to me the, like why are i i always talk about how i think in and out is wildly overrated because there's a million you know mom and pop burger places in la not in the valley by the way they don't exist here and it's very frustrating but it's his biggest gripe about it, it's about horrible. me pulling him into the valley yes uh, it's, it's uh the lack of a of a Louis or a Steves or a Bills. Big, big shout out to Slipmakers. Has I'm outside of the, the Philly Bears <laughs> right now. The Philly Bears is awesome. Yeah. Look, yeah. I love their beans. Their beans are an A plus. Yeah. Um, the in in the South Bay and in most of the L A basin, there's a bunch of burger places named off a named after a random dude's name. Your Steves, your 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 Ted's, your Tams. Uh, your bills, like they're just like random dudes' names. You don't have that in the valley. They don't exist. The only thing that's here is In and Out and, T- and Tommy's. There's there's one I know there there's is one place on there, Oxnard that's, that's bills. called Bills, but it's yeah. only open in the from afternoon. like ten like, to two on like Monday here. through get Friday, but no. not on Tuesdays. But like it's a whole thing. Um, you, so you, you don't yeah. actually want clientele if you're only open eleven to two. Like, come on. Yeah, USC Glenn in the chat says, "Why not? Like, why not? Uh, why not? Which is named after? In, uh, why not? in Torrance is named for Tony, and it's backwards. It's backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and why not? A plus. I miss those places. They have drive-throughs. Like, they have a great. Why do I need to go in and out when there's a freaking why not down the street? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's great. And my personal favorite burger place in LA, of course. Louis, Louis Burger. Carson in Normandy. Chef's Kiss. It's the best. It's the best recommendation I'll ever get. I, I will shout out their corn dog. They haven't reconceptualized corn dogs. Well, you weren't me. a corn dog person. No, because Shocking. I got sick off of a corn dog when I was a kid. We had corn dogs for dinner, and I didn't really care for them because they were just the frozen kind, whatever that my mom would get from like Costco or whatever. And then we went to Catalina the next day and I threw it all up and it was just like the next morning. And I just have bad, I have bad, it's just like corn dogs make me, don't make me feel good. But like. You chum the water for the harbor porpoise? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, the, the the corn dog from, from Louise reconceptualized what a corn dog could taste like to me. So. Uh, you, first of all, the other thing the Valley doesn't have is like, even though I think there there might be one at the Sherman Oaks Mall, maybe maybe um, Sherman Oaks Galleria, not the Galleria, the other one that I don't know the name of, the uh, Fashion Square. Sure, um, on Riverside. Yeah, the um, hot dog on a stick. 
Yeah, I, 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 if Hot Dog the, on if, a Stick is an there, iconic it was not place. there growing up. It's no. iconic. Iconic. It's great. And they've been going away. I also hated malls growing up, so I, if, uh, you know, I just didn't like they, them. You know, they wear the goofy outfits. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen it. I've it's seen so what good. it looks like now. It's like, hmm. Yeah. A cheese dog? You ever gotten a, chi- a, chi- a cheese dog? Oh, man. All right, we got we got to end this thing and go get dinner or something. <laughs> yeah. So, clearly. all right. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back uh, next week with um, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week on the pod uh, will be episode four ninety three, which is called uh, "Can't Begins." We've already named our pods in the future. Um, Camp begins. Uh, Camp begins on Friday, July twenty eighth. Yeah, which is this so, Friday. So we're talking yeah. about the beginning of fall camp. Uh, and then the following week, two weeks from today, April 7th, August 7th, wrong A month, August 7th, uh, we'll do our preseason roundtable with our with our buddies, Jake Merrifield from the West Bruin Show, uh, and Kenny Martin, formerly of Traveler Hates Thursdays. And if I had my soundboard set up that I didn't do, um, I could press the THT music mm-hmm. thing which we'll, we'll get the jingle yeah ready to go um uh on august 7th uh and then following that august 14th we start we start two i would two days two a weeks <laughs> uh we start two a weeks uh august 14th is our offensive preview august 16th our defensive preview uh the following week uh august 21st uh, episode 497 will be the season predictions episode. So everyone who's hop, hops in the, the chat and they're like, how, how many wins is SD going to win this year in like May? And we're like, come back later. There you go. August 21st. Uh, we'll let you know. We are coming up quick yeah. on episode 500, by the way. 500, quote unquote. 500, yeah. uh, 500 and probably like 89 or something yes. like that. Yeah, it's going to be the Nevada preview, by the way. Yeah. Which is super exciting for a 500th episode. Yeah. Um, but um, but if you don't want to wait for us in that long, uh, we'll be back Thursday night, 8 p.m., members only, a members only show here on YouTube. Uh, the uh, the first ever Renator Radio call-in show for the Rot Squad. You can join us uh, $4.99 a month, uh, $4.99 a month gets you uh, to join the Rot Squad here on YouTube and become a member uh, help support the show and you get bonus content uh, like the uh, the Colin show. So um, if you're like Dan in Valley Village, you can you can call in and talk to us. So yeah, get get in those reps before um, the the season starts and you need to to call into the rant rant yeah. line when you have an actual rant or rave following or during a game. Yeah, like get those reps in early. You know, it's 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 an intimidating thing calling into the into the number and mm-hmm. and learning how it all works. Yeah. Like, oh my god, what if they what if they say something I don't like? Like they say that uh, I don't know, like uh, onions belong in food or something. I mean, I like onions in food, so um, I that's not doesn't sound so bad to me. Uh, by the way, uh, Glenn says uh, teriyaki burger from Rascals on Torrance Boulevard is amazing. Yes, love me some Rascals. Um, God, I miss the South Bay. We gotta be back <laughs> in the South Bay. The Valley not as cool as the South uh, Bay. No, the Valley's wonderful. 
No, literally not as cool as the South Bay. Well, this is true. The valley is not as cool as the South Bay in in that sense. But all right. uh, Until next time, we will see. See ya. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.